<laughs> I'm having so much fun with this app. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh crap, I'm recording. Um, <laughs> I've had a lot of questions from the start before I even got onto this app. Because I've always wondered, how do I reach out to others? How do I get myself heard? How do I get paid to even get heard? The answer to this question is so easy. It's not even funny. It's Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. So if you always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Like a small boat on the ocean Sending big waves in the motion Like I was in the Single word can make the heart open. I 
Or I can make an explosion. This is my fight song. Take back my life song. Prove I'm alright song. My power turn off. So right now I'll be strong. I'll play my fight song. Welcome to my podcast. 
I am your host, Nanami Suzuki, coming at you once again live from Flint, Michigan. And no, I'm not telling you my exact area in Michigan. All you need to know is that I'm in Flint, and that's it. Y'all don't know the need. Y'all don't need to know the deets. Okay. So I'm having a thing um, that I'm going to let everyone know that I'm going to be hosting a poll on my podcast and on my Twitter feed. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that don't know about my Twitter feed, so I'm pretty much going to, um, yeah, (laughs) I'm going to put a link in the description of this podcast to my Twitter feed, and we're going to do a poll. The idea is to see how many people are interested in a quick, um, discussion on, what is this called? Um, well, someone, a good friend of mine, gave, sent me a package um, I went and I picked it up at the post office. Um, while I was at the post office, I received a package, and this is so fun, because I got this from, who was this from? Um, who was this from? Laura and, I want to say Chase. Chase, I cannot uh, they're both um the um Gardner family. Um so they sent me um Syrian uh three sided peppers. Um these are scientifically known as capsicum anum. Uh it's a flavorful Syrian heirloom, three lobed fruit. In deep oxblood red, taste is sweet, considerable heat in the skin. So yes, it is spicy. This is what we're looking for, some spiciness, um, because I love spicy food. Thank you guys for that. Um, another thing came in the mail, an entire set of vegetables came in the mail for me. It looks like we have some tomatoes. Um, these are, um... Baker Creek Heirloom Seeds that are just like, oh my gosh, they're the same kind of brand as the peppers. What? You guys. Okay, so this is cool. Um, they gave, they even sent me garden, a little pa- a little pamphlet that has gardens, a city garden ideas or like garden ideas in general, which I love because they sent me tomatoes. These are cute. These are like little, um, Curly pinks. These are like little itty bitty grape tomatoes. They're so cute. Um, the number of seeds in this, um, is unknown. So it has time. It it has directions on how to plant and where to plant them and how to take care of them. I love this. This is tomatoes. We have. Yokohama squash, which is an Indian squash, is kind of cute. Um, it's, these are really cool. Um, Yokohama squash is a rare variety introduced to America's 
about 1860 by James Hogg of Yorkville, New York, from seeds received from Japan, beautiful flat ribbed fruit, dark green to tan, orange flesh is dry, fine grain, and sweet. And um, it has planting instructions, which I love this because it's definitely something I've been wanting to try. And I've heard that this stuff is, like, really, really packed with, like, some nutrients. So that's good. Who is this from? Who is it from? Chad and Darlene Wilcock. Chad and Darlene Wilcock sent me some tomatoes and squash. Um, some cucumbers that are Solly Baylor. These are great for making some pickles. Um, so if I, these are developed by Solomon Solly, um, Baylor. Makes superior, pi superior pickles when harvested at about the size of your thumb. Speculatively productive. So these are really good. I can make some really good vegetables um, stuff with this. I can make some pickles. If I grow these bad boys, I'm going to start growing these in the spring so you guys get prepared. Some radishes. Early scarlet globe. Oh my god, these are pretty. Look how gorgeous. I mean, if you guys could see these. These are gorgeous. Okay, and classic round red radish. Mild and tasty. Crisp white fleshed. Reasonably warm weather tolerant. Which means if it gets hot, these bad boys will survive. That's good news. Thank you guys for those. Uh, Argula. Um, I don't know what Argula is, but it's a delicious spicy flavored salad green native to the Mediterranean. Spicy peppery flavor that is a range in salads. One of our most popular greens are very easy to grow, early maturing, cold tolerant green. Oh my god, if these are spicy, I'm growing these bad boys. Oh, I'm going to grow them anyway, but, you know. These are Amarillo Carrots. They're tiny, good for summer and fall crop. Lemon yellow roots have sweet, bright yellow flesh. Eight-inch roots are crunchy and very juicy. It even has instructions on how to plant them, where to plant them, and during what season to plant them. It says here that the best time to plant these is early spring. You know me, I am going to plant these definitely, probably in April. I'm going to plant all of these in April. Spinach. Bloomsdale long-standing spinach. The old standard since 1925. Better in hot weather than most grassy beets. And it's going to I don't want to listen to these advertisement phone calls. Yuck. So this is a really good, the old standard. It's glossy, it's green, and it says to plant early in spring too. So most of these are for, all of these say plant early in the spring. So, and this one seems to have a lot more seeds than the other ones do. So I'm probably going to be producing a lot more in this than I was expecting. So these are larger seeds than what I'm accustomed to. So I'm going to learn what I can about these, and I'm going to grow a garden. Thank you so much. I'm going to put these back in the Ziploc bag that uh, I was given. Thank you um, to everyone who sent me these gifts. I really appreciate it.
because I was really looking forward to doing some um, planting and uh, now I don't even have to go buy the seeds. They're right here and someone sent them to me. I am so happy. Thank you guys so much. I also got a couple of other deliveries in the mail. Um, someone sent me a Jill Marie Landis book, The Orchid Hunter. I think this is so cute. It's a romance novel. And you guys know me. I love romance. So this is just awesome. Um, it is from... Who is it from? Um, Alice and... I cannot read your handwriting, dude. <laughs> but I'm going to just say that... I'm going to guess at this, because I can see a J. I'm going to say Jason. Alice and Jason. What's your guys' last name? Oh, you guys didn't put your last name. Okay. Alice and Jason. Nice. Thank you, guys. I will be reading this whenever I feel bored. I'll just read this before I go to sleep at night and see if I can dream up something good, because <laughs> your girl's lonely. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so I've got a couple of things that I was given to my pre given by my priest. These are pretty cool. Um priest um Father Dan gave these to me. Um this is by Tim Layla and Jerry B. Jenkins, best selling authors of the Left Behind series. I thought this was cool. The Jesus Chronicles John's it's a John story and novel, The Last Eyewitness. So this guy right here is like Bazing! You know, it's like... Um, according to this, it says, From the authors of the phenomenal, multi-million-selling Life Left Behind series comes the Jesus Chronicles. Biblically-inspired novels, novels that bring to life the story of Jesus as never before. John's story begins to... begins to life the miracles and message of the... Oh, brings to life miracles and message of the man who came to fulfill the prophecies of the Old Testament and to save all the all of humankind, and of the disciple who was the last eyewitness to Jesus' glory. Experience firsthand the creation of the Gospel of John as well as the book of Revelation, scripture that still has profound meaning for the world more than 2,000 years later. This is actually a really good thing for me to read this because I I have been wondering what it would be like from his perspective. And if these guys are really good writers, and I hope they are because I've never heard of the Left Behind series, <laughs> I'm going to look into that. What is the Left Behind series? I'm going to look into that. I'm going to write that down in my notebook. Because I want to know about the Left Behind series. What is this Left Behind series? And I want to know who are these people. <laughs> so I'm going to look into this. I'm going to write these down in my uh, war binder. Um, Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins. And I'm going to look up the left behind series. Because I'm pretty sure there's going to be more to the Jesus Chronicles. So I'm going to look up the Jesus Chronicles too. 
What's the matter, kitty? Why are you acting so jumpy? Okay, so I'm going to take this and make sure that I look into it. Because... Now I'm really curious. I am really, really curious about this. So, yeah. So I might begin tomorrow with the reading of this book. This is really cool and interesting to me. So I might actually begin the reading process today. Depending on my mood. <laughs> and whether or not I like it. So, yes. Okay, so the next one is The Last Disciple. Something about this has me a little bit, um... Mm, okay, so Hank Hanegraaff and Sigmund Brower. Um, The Last Disciple, and according to here in the little fine print, it says, Hidden inside the last words he wrote is a prophecy so explosive, it has the power to destroy anyone who uncovers its truth. Wow. Okay, so this is a, on the back it says, Imagine, a letter that could tell your future, written in code. Deciphering it could set you free. What's inside reveals the truth about the end of the world, but possessing it could kill you. So, from what I'm getting is this might be something, um... It has a kind of hint of, like, the, the, it feels like the Da Vinci Code type deal here. That's what this feels like. But these are good reading, so I'm probably going to start this book after I get used to starting reading again, because it's been a minute since I've opened up a novel. I write novels, but I don't read them as much as I'd like to, because I don't usually have a collection of my own. So these three books here, these the romance novel and the two um, religious books, are actually um, good to have a start for my own personal library. I am really excited. So let's get started on some things. Um... I know that my last episode, um, I kind of produced it really late today, and I'm sorry about that. It is, <laughs> I am really sorry, and, um, so I, uh, really, um, super excited about this. It is Wednesday, November 6th, it is 8.28 p.m., and I am doing this podcast late at night because I was busy doing my other podcast and um, I had to work on the introduction to that. So before I added anything to it, I needed to do the introduction. So I worked on that f about um, 10 minutes ago. <sighs> that was stressful. So right now I am um, just, you know, doing a lot of studying and a lot of hard work, a lot of praying, and, well, 
Like I said in my last episode, when I was doing the intro, I did start the forward day-by-day thing, and today's devotion was important, but I didn't include it in my last episode, so today I am going to include it in my evening episode, because you guys, (laughs) you guys have been asking me to do a lot more for the podcast instead of just talking about random stuff. Which is understandable, because it is November 6th. It is the 6th day of NaNoWriMo. By the way, I am behind, and I don't plan on winning this year. I just... There's more important things to do. Um, anyway, so according to this, um... It has the book, the Bible verse that we are reading today is Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 22. It says... And I commanded the Levites that they should purify themselves and come and guard the gates to keep the Sabbath day holy. Remember this also in my favor, O my God, and spare me according to the greatness of your steadfast love. So according to what it reads here on the page, this is page 8 of the booklet, it says... Nehemiah was one of the leaders of a group of Jews returning to their ancestral home after having survived the Babylonian captivity. He was in charge of restoring the physical and spiritual infrastructure of Jewish life in Jerusalem. Nehemiah's work periodically called him away to consult with the Persian monarch under whose permission he operated. When he returned from one of these trips, he found a long list of things to fix and immediately set about putting things in order. Reading between the lines, we can infer that Nehemiah didn't win many friends doing this. Faith leaders sometimes need to exercise authority, but unlike civic and business leaders and perhaps even unlike Nehemiah, they are constrained to be servants among their people. This usually requires a fairly gentle touch. So, um, in at, at the bottom here, it also I kind of I feel like yes, because not everyone likes religious leaders. That even pertains to today's life. Nobody likes religious people these days because no one likes to feel inadequate. They just like you. Because people will sit there and say, Jesus hates this, Jesus hates that, Jesus hates you for this. And it's really oppressive to most people. Um, Take the LGBT community, for example. Um, They're getting a lot of hate from religious people. And these people are definitely not truly Christian people. Because they're throwing hate, which is something that the Bible and Jesus himself has taught against. You are not supposed to hate your neighbors. You are supposed to love your neighbors, no matter what they do, or who they are, or what they believe in, or what they think they can do, or what they are. You cannot force someone to be who they're not. It is just not okay. Because if you do that to someone, you are basically oppressing them. You're making them feel less than less than um, the dirt that you walk on. You're making them feel bad. And people get offended by that. People get offended by that action. When you sit there and say, God hates you because you are the way you are. No, that is not okay. God does not hate anyone. Jesus does not hate anyone. How dare you? Okay? How dare you? 
sit there and say that God hates someone because they're a homosexual. Let them be who they are. Love them no matter what. Jesus does not hate them. Jesus loves them. Heck, they were born the way they are. It's not a choice. It's who they are. Let them be. Let them love. Love is love, and love is a beautiful thing. And if you don't like it, then you should not be a Christian. You should be known as one of those people out there that are just outcasted freaking jerks. The society doesn't need people like that. Society needs people who are loving and gentle. Who care about each other. Who won't spit nasty things at another person because of their orientation. Or their sexuality. Or their gender. Or the way they look. Or the way they dress. Or the way they speak. Or the way they act. Or their career choice. It's none of your business. Stay out of it. Just be who you are and stick with you and worry about yourself. Because obviously you need some serious help. If you're going to sit there and throw negativity at someone who already feels bad. Because society wants them to believe that what they're doing is wrong. Grow up. They're in love. Let them be in love. Let them be happy. Because that's what they deserve. They're beautiful people just the way they are. And no matter what anyone says, Jesus loves them. How dare you sit there and use Jesus' name to back up your hate. That is not okay, no matter what you say. Don't do it anymore. Look at yourselves. Are you directing your anger towards someone else because you hate yourself, really? If you think about it, your hatred is probably a hatred that you have towards yourself because you feel like you've got those same thoughts, probably. You might actually be homosexual yourself and not be able to accept it. Mm. Therefore, you take that inability to accept your own faults and throw the dirt on someone else. That's not okay. I'm sorry, but I will never support that. And that is exactly the type of person I am. I don't judge anyone. I don't have the right to. Even in the Bible. The Bible here. I got it right here. Right here on my lap. It's in large print. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that Jesus hates homosexuality. Because I believe during Jesus' time... There wasn't a single mention of homosexuality, even after his passing, even after all of that, all the work that he does. Peter didn't say anything. John didn't say anything. Let's see. Who's this guy? In the book of Romans, let's see. Uh, the Romans didn't say anything because a lot of the Romans were gay. Um, let's see. Paul didn't say anything about it. Simon didn't say anything about it. John didn't say anything about it. 
Luke didn't say anything about it. Matthew didn't say anything about it. Mark didn't say anything about it. Um, so I'd like to know who in their right mind has the audacity to sit there and be so negative. I don't see anything in here. Even in the genealogy of Jesus and in the escape from Egypt uh, to Egypt, uh, nothing in here says anything about homosexuality being wrong. It, nothing in the New Testament says it. So when you speak of Jesus and you try to use the book here uh, to kind of, you know, back you up, there is nothing in here that says it is bad. And it's just something that the people at that time viewed as bad. It was the people, not Jesus or God himself, but the people who viewed it as bad. Those who wrote these books did not say anything in the from all of the New Testaments. Nothing in the New Testament has anything to do with that. So, yes. Um, that is what's going on in my head and what's going on right here in real life. All I have to say is that you guys need to pray. And so you guys need to... Really, really open up your minds. Open up your hearts a little more. Because Jesus did not teach you to be so hateful towards others. Those who hate don't get to heaven. I'm sorry, but that's in the Bible too. If you do not follow the golden rule, uh, you're screwed. If you don't follow the Ten Commandments, you are screwed. So, if you don't follow with the true faith, you are screwed. But honestly, I will flat out tell you guys that I will be reading. Every single day, I will read a verse from this Bible. I will do daily devotions with you guys and participate in the daily devotions because apparently some of you people out there need this kind of devotion. Some of you people out there need to hear this podcast. And you need to hear about what love really is. Because honestly, you don't know. Stop being jerks. Stop being bullies. Let people be who they are. <laughs> Kitty! I think my cat's gotten up in the vents again. I don't know how he keeps doing it, but he does it so much. Kitty, kitty, want treat? Kitty, kitty! Kitty, kitty, want treat? Come get treat. Hi. Yeah, he's in the vents. He's in the vents again. Oh, I gotta get up. Ah, come on, buddy. Hi there. Hi. Let me get you out of there. Come on. I got you. You're okay. I got you. There you go. See, you're okay. You're safe now. <laughs> what were you doing in there, silly? 
What were you doing in there? Hi. Hi. Who's a good boy? You are. Yes, you are. This is my kitty cat. His name is Angel. I'm holding him right now, but if you guys listen. He's a happy boy. He's purring. All right, get down. It's time for night nights. You know what to do. It's time for night nights. Come on, you know where to go. No, you are going on my schedule, cat. Good night. Your food is over here, and your water is over here. I am not trusting the dog, because she likes to come over here and eat your food. And I'm not taking a chance on that. Oh, you silly boy. Did you get into your catnip again? Your catnip bag is wide open and ripped. You silly boy. You silly boy. Okay. I've got heartburn again, so time to grab a single tom. These are the new Chewy Bites assorted berry ones. And uh, yeah, I like these a lot better than I like the crunchy ones because the crunchy ones are kind of chalky. Time to get into my reading mode. And I will see you guys in the next part of this, in the next segment. We're going to be reading, so I am looking forward to that. So come on over and join me in the next segment or two. Um, I'm probably going to play some worship music and everything, so we're going to get ready to have some fun. So, yeah. Come and join me, and let's have some little bit of reading time. Now, let's see which book am I going to read. I'm going to read the um, John's story. So, um, meet me over there. Okay, welcome back. Um, I am reading uh, Tim Lahey and Jerry B. Jenkins' novel. Um, these are, um, this is the Jesus Chronicles, John's story. I don't know where in the collection John's story is. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's probably the first in their book series. Yeah, the Jesus, Chron- the Jesus Chronicles, this is the first book of their series. And I'm really excited about this because I'm actually reading the first one for once in my life of any series. Because sometimes I'll pick up a book, I won't even realize it, and I'll start reading it. And I'll be in- really into it, but not really understand what's going on until I read the first novel. Because sometimes I actually like, read the last novel. Okay. According to this, there's like some author's information here, which is cool. Tim LaHaye is a noted author, minister, and nationally recognized speaker on Bible prophecy. He is founder and president of Tim LaHaye Ministries and a co-founder of the Pre-Trib Research Center. A pastor for 39 years, Dr. LaHaye has written more than 50 non-fiction books and co-authored the Left Behind series. The most successful Christian fiction venture in publishing history with Jerry Jenkins, LaHaye, and his wife, Beverly, who have been married for more than 50 years. 
live in Southern California. You can visit his website at www.timlahay.com. And that's spelled www, all lowercases, dot Tim, T-I-M, capital lock T, capital lock L, lowercase A, capital lock H, lowercase A-Y-E, dot com. Then we have Jerry B. Jenkins, formerly vice president for publishing and currently writer at a large for the Moody Bible Institution of Chicago. He is also the author of more than 150 books, including the Left Behind series with Tim LaHaye. Dr. Jenkins' writing has appeared in Time, Reader's Digest, Parade, and Guidepost, and dozens of other Christians' periodicals. He owns Jenkins Entertainment, a filmmaking company based in Los Angeles, as well as the Christian Writers Guild, which aims to write tomorrow's professional Christian writers train tomorrow's professional writers, and has learned nearly 2,000 members worldwide. He's sought after marriage and family speaker. Jenkins, live, Jenkins lives with his wife, Diana, in Colorado Springs. You can visit his website at www.j-e-r-r-y-j lowercase e-n-k-i-n-s dot com. So if you guys want to pay them a visit and order some of their books and get your own John's story, The Last Eyewitness, go for it, my babies. Go for it. Okay. Let's do this. To the memory of Dr. Kenneth N. Taylor, a lover of the word. Oh. Dr. Taylor passed away. Oh no. Thanks to John Paradin for research assistance and to D. Michael Hostetler for advanced exposure to the invaluable reference work that Nazareth Jesus knew. Um, it is a 2005 copyright by Nazareth Village, which means. I am only reading this to you guys, so this is part one, The Heretic. Let's begin. Rome, A.D. 95. <clears throat> Bright sunlight interrupted the old evangelist's reverie, and when dust invaded his stone chamber, John was spurred to stand and peek out. He had been extradited the night before in chains from Ephesus to Rome, the capital of the empire, where he was to stand trial before Caesar Domitian. Domitian, I don't know. But once Jesus' youngest disciple, John was nearly nearing his 90th year, and his long, lanky frame bore a massive crown of white hair and a full long beard that framed his leathery face. Thick brows hooked dark eyes, hooded dark eyes his friends had always described as piercing, at times accusatory. Robust for his age, especially considering the long, arduous journey, 
he had been unbound and imprisoned in a dungeon cell beneath the Colosseum. Now at dawn, he discovered that by standing on tiptoe, he could peer out a tiny barred opening at ground level to the vast stadium's athletic fields. It was much too early for festivities, and yet men, women, and animals had begun to fill the grounds. Large, powerful women practiced wrestling holds in the rising dust, and brightly costumed dwarves <laughs> ran in place and stretched. Ferocious animals, prodded and agitated by their handlers, were led snarling to cages. John had only heard of such bizarre acts, confirming reports of the Emperor's fascination with the Macabre. Macabre. Clearly, all these participants were preparing for some spectacle. John could assume only that it was his own execution. His stomach growling, he retreated to sit with his back to the wall and pray silently. Having long outlived all the other disciples of Jesus the Christ, John had known his day would come. He had invested in his life in telling the world of the man he believed rose from the dead more than half a century before and held the power of eternal life. All his compatriots, every one, had been martyred for the cause. He expected no less for himself, and yet despite his years, it seemed too soon. No one. No. He didn't anticipate living another decade to research a hundred years, to reach a hundred years, but it struck him that there remained so much to do. The flock he led in Ephesus was growing in number and in maturity, and what of the other churches in Asia? His frequent journeys had endured and endeared him to all of them. Perhaps it had been all that traveling that had spared him from the Romans for so long. Others, the younger, the more robust, could accomplish the work, but John took what he believed was a justified pride in his station as the only remaining disciple of the very Messiah himself. John neither feared nor dreaded death. He did not welcome it. Who would? And yet, the privilege of dying for his faith, for his Lord. With his bony shoulders, blades pressed against the cold stone, John lowered his chin to his chest and prayed silently, Father, my life has been rich and full, and if I am to perish in your service, then I willingly commend my spirit into your hands and consider it an unspeakable privilege. To follow my Lord, but three, there seems so much more to accomplish in your name. Nevertheless, not my will. John jerked to attention at the sound of a sniff and saw a guard leaning against the bars of his cell. I can douse the torch in the oil if the oil bothers you, the man said, his beard greasy from the foul flesh he'd been gnawing. He appeared a civilian, unarmed, glassy-eyed, perhaps from drink, and yet those were the first kind words John had heard since his capture. 
If it's not too dark for you, sir, John said. I need no more light than the sun this time of the day, the guard said, reaching for the torch with his free hand and plunging it into a bucket of water. He smiled at the hissing and the steam, nodded at John's thanks, then reached a grimy hand through the bars, offering the rest of his meal. John hesitated, hoping not to offend, but reluctant to eat that which he had touched the man's mouth. His hands, even as his fashioned, as he fashioned a courteous response, he was inwardly bemused by his own concern just hours before his certain death. I am obliged, he said, but I prefer only a bit of bread if I have a choice. The man's countenance fell, and he withdrew. Another hour, then, he said, and Jules share a stale chunk covered with, a cre with creatures you won't want to eat. Forgive me, John, said. I, the guard waved him off and settled against the wall, appearing to doze between bites. What's happening here today? John said. The man raised a brow. Oh, my meat is no good for you, but my conversation is? I'm sorry, I... No need to apologize to me, sir. You'll get your chance to plead your case before our master and God is... And God this evening. This evening? Not today? The man shook his head. Today, the event is for the citizens, not for the emperor. He won't be back from Alban until late in the day, they tell me. The preparations for you are being made at the Latin Gate. John's shambling wood cart transport had rumbled through the Latin Gate just hours before. Preparations? The scruffy guard's eyes live livened, and he struggled to his feet. Oh, his lordship excels at pageantry. Were you were here? Were you here for the Capital Lines? Last summer? The games? No. Spectacular, the guard said, moving closer. Domin Domitian hosted chariot races, sports of all kinds, music and poetry, too. Some were held at night. Imagine. Great torches lying afield. Gifts of food dropped from ropes stretching across the Colosseum. The people loved it. They admire the emperor, then, Don said. When he does that, they do. Yes, sir. We don't see much of him, though. He, You know the rumors. Rumors? What a solitary man does with his time. No, Don said, though he had heard of Domitian's dalliances with women, his having forced a divorce so he could marry his lover, his new wife's later adultery, and banishment, and eventually returned to the palace to marry him yet again. The guard smiled. You never know who to believe, but people say they've seen him torturing. Torturing? He handles the torturing himself? No, not of people. Man. Flies. Catches them alive and tortures them to death. John was eager to change the subject. I would be too. Um... <laughs> You've been to the nighttime spectacles?
a gladiator belt. Yes, sir. Don't know how they did it in the low light, but they did. Today's show features gestures and all. Gestures and all. You should be able to watch. They won't be able to... Won't move you until it's over and the emperor is back. Move me to the Latin gate? For the hearing, yes. And the inevitable sentence. John squinted. They have told you what happens if... When you're found guilty, no? John let his eyes close and shook his head. The man who seems at least cordial now laughed. I am not permitted to say, but I can tell you this. I will be there. I wouldn't miss it. Dominician's penchant for cruelty was legend. God grant me grace. Allow me to endure without crying out. Oh, wow, that is a prayer. Huh? So, that is a good prayer, too. Dying for the most righteous cause imaginable was one thing. Departing this life ignominiously was another. If the eyewitness accounts could be believed, all John's colleagues had faced their ends with dignity. He longed to do the same. Uh... Excuse me, sorry about that, didn't mean to burp. What was it you did, sir? The guard said. John sighed. Was it what his gospel had accomplished? As he had with his preaching in Jerusalem years before, urging citizens to follow the man Rome considered a false god, or was it that he would not do? I do not worship the emperor as god, he said. The guard blanched and stepped back. Oh, you can remedy that by bowing to him tonight, and all will be well. John shook his head and stood. He is not God. I serve the one true God and his son, Jesus the Christ. Shuddering, the guards tossed the remains of his meal into the water bucket. Please tell me one you have said. No one you have said this in. Please tell no one you have said this in my presence. I do not wish to testify. I have nothing against you. Be at ease, my friend, John said. I am the one the emperor wants. Jesus did not call me a son of thunder for nothing. <laughs> now he's bragging. That's cute. <laughs> the guard shook his head. You speak with the bravado of one who has never been arrested before. John smiled. On the contrary, being apprehended by the proconsul of Asia and held in per prison in Ephesus reminded me of decades ago when my friend Peter and I were arrested in Jerusalem. Jerusalem? Before the destruction? Of course. This was nearly forty years prior. And the charge there? Preaching in the name of Christ following his resurrection. Following his crucifixion, you mean? There's no evidence he actually... Now, young man, do not start down that road with me. You're talking to one who knew Jesus before and after his death. And let me tell you further. I resolved to answer any Roman charges as I did in Jerusalem all those years ago. 
Holy sh... Holy monkey butts. Okay. Gonna take a break for a second here. Just gonna take a breather and... Oh, stretch. Because this is getting good. I like this. Okay. It went back. The guard ran his filthy hands through his hair and pressed his lips together. I'm surprised you weren't put to death then. He goes, Such, <laughs> such matters are in God's hands, John said. I spent more than a dozen years after the resurrection taking care of Jesus' mother. And with my friends Peter and James, Jesus' brother, I served the fledgling Christian church in Jerusalem. So you really are the only one remaining, the guard said. The only one. I have seen no end of danger. All my fellow disciples, save Judas the traitor who committed suicide, perished as martyrs. My own older brother, also called James, was the first accused of leading citizens to worship false gods. He was beheaded by authority of Herod Agrippa I. Were you chased from Jerusalem by the attack? No, I left after Jesus' mother's death, some twenty years after, before that. I believed God wanted me to spread the truth to the rest of the world. How I loved encouraging new churches and founding several others, but while I, it seemed I was revered and even loved for my bold proclaiming of the faith, which thousands found fascinating because of my eyewitness accounts of Jesus himself, naturally Rome considered me an enemy. John had heard not another sound in the underground, yet the guard looked about as if to be sure they were alone. He whispered, you ought to be proud of yourself, eluding capture until you were too old to run anymore. Run? I never ran, young man. Believe me, Rome knew where I was. If I was not leading the church of Ephesus, I was in Asia Minor, visiting the other believers. They did not find me cowering somewhere. I was taken right from my own church. Sit, sit, the guard said, and John lowered himself to the floor as the younger man did the same. I'm no child myself, the guard said. I was just becoming an adult when Jerusalem began revolting against Roman rule. You remind me of those rebels. You flatter me. Within four years, they had pu pushed Rome's patience to the breaking point. The guard leaned closer. I've always believed that Titus, leading the army to the northern wall during Passover, when those hundreds of thousands of pilgrims were visiting, it was made him is what made him emperor eventually. No question, John said. As you can imagine, I am hardly an admirer of his. I am. Within five months, Jerusalem lay in ruins, and the great temple had been destroyed. More than a million Jews were killed, and a hundred thousand captured. Titus had so many of your people crucified that he exhausted the area's supply of wood. I was among the crowds right here when 
exiled captives were attacked and killed by wild beasts. You enjoyed that, did you? John said, bile rising in his throat. He stood. That was a quarter century ago. Now it is I who have finally pushed the Emperor past his tolerance threshold. I have been traveling, preaching, teaching, and discipling young men for the cause of the Church and Christ all these years. But it was my writing that landed me here. The proconsul of Asia called me cr called my crime. Adding to the literature of a seditious religion by penning your own account. And for that, I find myself locked in the bowels of a killing field by an empire bent on destroying me and everything I stand for. Okay, so that is page 10, and we're in the first part, so I'm going to mark this with my pen right here, because... My goodness, we need to take a break. It has been a hot minute, and I'm pretty sure... You guys, even though you guys want to hear more of this, I'm pretty sure you guys do. I want to read more, but at the same time, it is getting late, and I need to go to bed. <laughs> so, we're going to pause right there, and we are going to continue reading this tomorrow. Um, Thursday, November 7th. So when we do that, we'll be fine. It's like, hello, my friends, we shall do this just fine. And, um, see you guys the next time. Um, hope you guys enjoy, um, a few, um, musical moments. So, yeah, let's listen to some worship music and go to bed. Good night, everyone. God bless. Recording. Crown, good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sisters, let's go down. Come on down, come on down. Oh, sisters, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way in. As I went down in the river to pray, 
Studying about that good old way And who shall win The robe and crown Good Lord, show me the way Oh, mothers, let's go down Come on down, what you don't want to go down Come on, mothers, let's go down Down in the river to pray as I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall win the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sinners, let's go down. Come on down, come on down. Oh, sinners, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who wear this robe and crown, good Lord, show me the way. <laughs> that was fun. Hail, girls. Jerusalem's become a real drag. Everybody hates him. Uh-uh. Not that guy over there. Who, him? They all say he's different. They say he's really weird. We don't care what people say. To us, he's always there. Really?
Just to go to you, find me a fool.